Hey everyone, welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast. We are so excited for today's episode. We had a lot of people suggest suggest this topic in our question box. And so today we are talking about parenting girls and raising girls. So we have Kristen Miele today with us and we've had her on the podcast once before because she has um, like a youth education on like sex and sexuality um, resource for parents called Sex Ed Reclaimed. And so Kristen has been educating youth on the topic of sex for the past 12 years in hundreds of diverse settings, including two different countries and has experience teaching kids three and up on topics of sex and sexuality. Kristen has a bachelor's and master's of science and community health from the University of Illinois and is a certified health education specialist. Um, The vision for Sex Ed Reclaims came to her in November of 2021 and became an LLC in 2022. And she has a four-year-old daughter named Emma Joy and a fat orange cat um, and has been married to Anthony since 2012 and they live in Columbus, Ohio. So thanks for joining us today. Yes, thanks for having me back. back. It's good to connect again. Yeah, when we were talking um, with some of our friends who like requested this episode, I was like, I think I'm the perfect person because you have a four-year-old daughter, but you've also worked with a huge range of girls and like, again, like the bio said in such diverse settings. So I was like, I feel like she like has like a good grasp on different age groups and as a mother herself, like this will be a really good episode. So I'm very excited to hear all your insights. Um, Yeah, so I think we kind of talked about this in our last episode, but we were talking about different girls like growing up in purity culture and like now that they're becoming moms it's a hard balance of what you grew up in you don't want to like instill those same like I guess like fear-based tactics when talking about sex and like purity and like virginity all that so I'm really curious like how do you still work on balancing and instilling purity and dignity without leaning into purity culture that's a really good question and I appreciate it especially for parents because so many of us did grow up in that and that was our narrative and that was the language we heard and so we're still trying to understand how to remove ourselves from some of the negative aspects of that and particularly the legalism I think one of the big failures of purity culture is that purity was never it's never been about our bodies actually (laughs) and that was so not taught in purity culture it was in fact the opposite purity is about your heart Mm -hmm. and so how do we teach our young people that, right? How do we teach our children that? When I think about, you know, I'm in a Bible study right now that we're studying the Old Testament and there's so much in the Old Testament where like, if they even like touched something, right? They couldn't go to the temple. They had to cleanse their, cleanse their, cleanse? Yeah, they had to cleanse their whole body or yeah. wash their whole body. They, it, I mean, they couldn't even, you know, they couldn't touch a dead body. Like mm-hmm. there was all of these things that they had to do, but then there was Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus brought in, a new world for us, right? We live now in the New Testament days where our purity comes from Christ. We are washed by his blood. And so our purity is really about our heart. Mm -hmm. And we can always go to Jesus now because of what he did on the cross. We can always go to him in fellowship. And so really, I think a key factor of purity is that it's about the heart. And so when it comes to um, discussions like modesty or about, well, what can I do with my boyfriend or girlfriend or how far can we go? Or why can't I watch this or do that? Um, It's really about the why behind it. Like, why are we interested in that? Why do we feel like we want to dress like that? Why do we think we should have sex with our boyfriend? What do we think we're missing out on? And some of that last question, what do we think we're missing out on speaks to God's goodness? Do we really trust him? Is he really good? 
did he really give me good gifts? If this is what he wants for me, if this is what he says is good, why don't I believe it to be true? And that's a normal question. We all have that. Um, so I think it provides really beautiful opportunity to actually have uh, discussions with your child or your daughter about um, what true purity is mm -hmm. and knowing that we're washed by Jesus and that he forgives us and shows us mercy. Again, not really components of purity mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. And why do we want to do the things that we do? And what does that really say about how we view God? Mm -hmm. So what I think is far more important than rules and legalism and, you know, you need to dress like this or do this thing is actually like, what is your heart towards the Lord? Mm -hmm. And that was a huge failure of purity culture. And so we need to transition still out of that into talking about the the why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's like, honestly, why Emma and I started this podcast is because mm -hmm we like finally were like we know we actually need a why behind our decisions because we are like so lost and we're like did god even talk about us? like we had no idea and so it's that discovering that why that we were like oh like we can actually like stand firm and like our beliefs now because we have this why behind it and like obviously yeah. like you still do want to have sex like you do have these yeah. desires but it's so much easier to stand firm in those like beliefs when you mm -hmm. do have the why behind it um and that's like established and yeah. yeah and those and those desires you have are good mm -hmm. and that was another kind of lie from from a lot of purity culture was it was almost like we were created sexual which we were but that was like a bad and a shameful thing and that was something yeah. we had to repress and that kind of messed people up because then a lot of those people got married and they were still confused as how am I supposed to have a good sex life mm -hmm. I did all these things this isn't great now but they had been like repressing this part of of what God created in them and I don't mean repression in that they couldn't do certain things I mean repression in that they didn't even know what their sex and sexuality was designed for who it yeah. was meant to glorify what its purpose was mm -hmm. and so there is a lot of beautiful discussion behind the question of why. And, um, I think that's great. Like I, it's no wonder that legalism and purity culture didn't work well. Like I think about kind of this random example, but you hear about girls who went to churches where like you couldn't wear spaghetti straps. That was, a yeah. thing, right? um, because of course it would, these boys would fall into lust because of you. And not only is that problematic for just, just all women and men, but like, Let's not talk about on the way to church, how these men drove by, um, I don't know, billboards or signs mm -hmm. with like a ton of cleavage on them or like saw yeah. strip club or like watched porn before they went to church or are going to watch it later that night. Like that's the real issue of lust. It's mm -hmm. not that you're wearing spaghetti straps to church. That's not going to fix your boy's lust problem in your church. Yeah. The, the issue is his heart, right? Or her heart um, towards the Lord and, and, and a right view of sin. And so I think uh, we missed out on that quite a bit. And yeah. thankfully now things are, are turning and we, we mm -hmm. see that more. Yeah. Um, we actually just talked with Sheila Gregoire oh, last great. night. She just wrote a book called She Deserves Better. Yes. But in this book, she was like talking about one of her biggest findings when like researching like purity culture, especially how it like affected like them and like now their daughters is whenever talking about like modesty or even like purity if it made their body seem like threatening against like a man, that's like where like the most like issues came in naturally. And like that, like it still affects their self-esteem today. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like very interesting to like hear her say that. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. when you think about it, it's like, yeah, of course, but it's mm -hmm. also like those like messages that you like heard growing up, which yes. I don't know. I like that really stood out to me in that interview. Yeah. So because yeah. ironically too, it was like, Oh, you're not an object for guys. Also you're an object for guys. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was like, it was like, don't, don't portray yourself like this, but just naturally you are because you're a woman. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was like so shaming and like not helpful yeah. at all. And at worst it like encouraged 
I don't know, rape culture because, mm-hmm. you know, you were like, well, what was she wearing? And it was just, yeah. awful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. awful that Christians, Christians responded that way to terrible abuse. That's not what our response should have been, but I think it partially comes from legalism yeah. and purity mm-hmm. culture and wanting to blame women. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, kind of, I guess this isn't like fully related, but just on the topics of like guys and girls interacting, how have you talked about this with like girls like that you've like taught or how are you going to approach this with your daughter? Like talking about, I'll say like the topics like periods or even like pregnancy, different things like that, that I would say can kind of be like gross for like guys to hear about or whatever. Cause like in my house growing up, like your periods, like you would hide your pads at the bottom of the trash mm-hmm. can. So like your brothers wouldn't see like all these different things where it was like presented as like a very shameful thing, but it's like, it's something you go through every month. And it's like a very natural part about being a woman. How do you like talk about those topics with your daughters, but then also like with your other kids Mm -hmm. and just like talk about menstruation? Yes. I totally remember hiding and it was, everyone did this. Like the cool girls, the not cool Mm -hmm. girls, nerdy girls. Like we all hid our pads and our tampons in our hand in this like special way as we walked to the back. And if we didn't have our purse with us, because we didn't Mm -hmm. want people to see or you know, quickly put it in our pocket when we went and asked the teacher to go to the bathroom. Um, so one of the ways that I talk about this is I always go back to purpose. So I think it's actually really cool that if we didn't have periods, there wouldn't be people like no Mm -hmm. periods, no people, but I didn't really get that or grasp that as a young person. And I'm sure most boys didn't either. Mm -hmm. And so that's a pretty empowering statement that with periods and menstrual cycles, even though they're they're frustrating for us, mm-hmm. um, for various reasons and symptoms. Um, they actually like help produce life. That's a big deal that God did that through us. And that doesn't mean it doesn't come with pain. It definitely does. I mean, childbirth is a prime yeah. example of, of that, but, um, and just period cramps, you know, are a prime example of mm-hmm. that. But the purpose of it is actually to help create life. And God did this by ovulation and the uterus preparing itself and uterine lining and that's shut out if you don't need it. Mm-hmm. And so I always explain the purpose of what the period actually is in this example um, of what the purpose of a menstrual cycle is. I'm not saying that lessens, again, the pain of it or certain symptoms of it, um, but I think it helps to know and it's empowering to know as a woman that, okay, God yeah. is doing this through that. Mm-hmm. And it's a very uh, scientific clinical way that the body produces this, but it actually points to a, a great designer, an incredible designer who um, designed us to do this. And I think boys and girls should know that equally. I've never shied away from discussing girl related topics from, from, or with boys and boy related topics, you know, with girls. Mm -hmm. If a boy is asking me about a wet dream, I'm not just speaking to the boys. I'm speaking to boys and girls. We should Mm -hmm. both understand how each other's bodies work. I mean, I cannot tell you how many guys I've had in classes that are like, oh yeah, and these are mostly secular settings, but you know, oh yeah, we, we had sex, but I drink a Mountain Dew after. So now she won't get pregnant. And it's just like, I'm sorry, what? Like, it's like, well, I drink a Mountain Dew. It kills all your sperm. Oh, okay. Where did you hear that? You know? And it, these kind of ridiculous myths or, oh, she peed after sex. So she won't get pregnant. So just no understanding of like the urinary right. opening versus the vaginal opening. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you see these little viral memes on Twitter or, or wherever um, of like, uh, if girls can, you know, just really dumb quotes and they're typically mm-hmm. for males and they're about their lack of understanding of the female body. So yeah. boys and girls need to understand how each other's bodies work. And that's not a shameful, bad thing. That's actually a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. God created our bodies. Our bodies are yes, sexual, but, um, he also designed them with great purpose mm-hmm. and he uses our sex even to draw 
uh, us to him, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Praise God for that. So uh, I talk about it in a pretty scientific way, explanation way, but certainly when I'm talking with, with Christians or with my own child, it's a way that I think glorifies the Lord too, because it speaks Mm -hmm. to his great purpose in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm a big fan of answering questions, like showing them that it's not a gross thing that you're actually here for their questions that you'd love to answer their questions that, yeah, you can yeah. talk about how a tampon works or, mm-hmm. um, what to do if you have certain symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know, you don't know, but you say, I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you on that. Cause that's a great mm-hmm. question. And that alone is just a really positive way to respond when somebody asks you something. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, many of our experiences were, well, why are you asking? Or, oh, all right, let's not talk about that right here. Or this is not an appropriate place. Yeah. And it would be that it's not like if they're screaming at the question at you at the grocery store, I can understand why you'd want to wait to, to talk to them about that potentially, or mm-hmm. over a big family dinner with grandma Sue. Um, but, but really do get back to them and talk about why, um, you're getting back to them and why it's important and why you're so glad that they, that they're asking you about that. Yeah, that's great. Then also like along that, how have you approached just like hygiene, body hygiene with your daughter so far? Yeah. So my daughter is uh, going to be five in next month. And so I would say she started like kind of touching her body mm-hmm. and like noticing things about her body when she was like two. And, yeah. you know, I get a lot of questions, particularly like DMS on uh, social media about, Hey, my daughter or son is doing this and they're only three. Can you believe that? And it's like, of course I can like, th- this is their body. They're two or three. They're just figuring it out. It's actually yeah. really normal. And we put that mm-hmm. shame and that idea of, Oh, they're masturbating or they're trying to, you know, do this when, when they're not They're they're literally just like, exploring their body. Um, we put that ideas on upon them. Mm. Um, and that's not their goal and not, not what they're trying to do. And so again, that, that comes from our own stories and our own experiences. Mm. And it's really good to evaluate our responses, why we have those responses, because mm. it's probably for a reason. Um, but I talk with my daughter and, and have since she started kind of, um, you know, we talk when she's in the bath or, um, even just washing her hands. Like we talk about keeping our body clean and how we don't want germs and how we don't put our hands in our pants, um, because we could get germs in there mm-hmm. and that can make us sick. Um, so pretty basic because she's still young and a little yeah. bit of an maybe oversimplification. Mm-hmm. Um, but once she gets a little bit older, it's going to be, you don't put your fingers in your vulva because, um, not only could it be dirty, but, or could you be passing germs down there, but that's not what we do in public. When other people are reaching their hands down their pants in public, like that's inappropriate. And why? Because these are special parts that God made and they're for, they are for certain purposes, but they're not for other people to see. Mm -hmm. Um, and so really having conversation with them and trying to meet them where they are about, yeah. And I, and I do talk about hygiene a lot. That is Mm -hmm. a great point because it's an kind of easier way to talk about health and their body without it being like this big, scary topic mm-hmm. to some people of, oh my goodness, should I start talking about sex and masturbation with my three-year-old? No, no, no. Just talk about when it's appropriate to touch that part of the body when it's not, recognize that they're not masturbating, that it's normal mm-hmm. to do that, um, that they need to clean that part of the body. And you can even incorporate body safety. Who should touch yeah. there and who shouldn't? Mm-hmm. And what should you do if you feel uncomfortable with somebody, if you feel yeah. yucky? My daughter and I definitely talk about who it's safe to bathe with and who, um, you know, who, who she shouldn't be bathing with or taking off her clothes in front of, I mean, she Mm -hmm. loves dress up, but Mm -hmm. I don't, 
um, you know, tell her to change like in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, She goes in the bathroom and changes. Um, So yeah, I think it can be a great way to have conversation about safety Mm -hmm. and and hygiene, like you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. How do you help foster a girl's sexuality and dreams without like shaming, but also like promoting like that healthy view of sexuality and like how she was created? Yeah, I think a really good way to do that is by talking openly. And and one of the cool things about talking openly with your, the young person in your life is that if you start young, it's a lot easier to do as they age and get older. Um, But even if you've never really had a conversation about sex or sexuality and your daughter is already nine or 10 or 11 or 12 or older, um, or maybe your grandparent now, even like you can still have those conversations and start those conversations. Um, just a little tip here not to go off topic, but a little tip to seg- to um, kind of put in the space is that you can use the media and you can use opportunities around you to do so. And so if you've never had those conversations, um, but now your daughter is in the bath or your daughter um, is watching a show and there's a couple kissing, or maybe there's, um, you know, a gay couple or you have gay neighbors, like asking them what she thinks about that um, and kind of trying to listen to her answer and, and kind of hear the questions or the thoughts behind her answer, if that makes sense, like what her heart is saying, um, that can be a really beautiful way to start talking. And so once you do, I think a really um, great way to honor her sexuality is by talking about her sexuality, knowing that, yes, you were created as a sexual being um, because God wants you to honor him with that part of your body um, and with that part of your life. And the way we do this is by listening to his commands, by understanding his word, by praying to him. You can pray to God about sex and your kids can pray to God about um, their questions. Like I never knew that as a young person. I don't know about you, but I never prayed to God about sex. Even entering my marriage, I still did not pray to the Lord about sex. And I was teaching about sex. So I would pray about it professionally. Lord help me to, but like my own sex life was not something I prayed about. I now do pray about it. And it's like this beautiful thing. And so encouraging your daughter to um, pray, to seek the Lord um, at whatever age she is, but also showing that by example. And I'm not saying you should pray about your sex life in front of your kids, um, but certainly um, uh, letting them know that this is something you talk to God about and that it's okay to talk to God about about it because he talked about it first and he created it. Um, So I think like looking at biblical stories and even using those um, to to segue into conversations about sex and, and God's design for us. Um, that is honoring to your child. That's honoring to the Lord. Um, and that's honoring to their future. But I would just recommend using opportunities in the world around you, um, in your in your church that come up, and really asking them what they think about that song, that movie, that sermon, uh, that youth group, that friend, that neighbor, um, to kind of start to understand where they're at and meet them where they are. Because a five-year-old, you're going to honor her sexuality different than you are your 15 Mm -hmm. or 25-year-old. It's been really cool, though, to hear from parents older than me who have kids my age that they still talk to their kids about sex um, or they've started to. And they're almost like learning about the Lord and his design together in that now. Like, wow, that's beautiful. I'm not saying that all parents need to do that or should do that, but I think it's, I think it's wonderful. And I would love to be a mom who's still talking to her daughter about this topic 
um, when I'm old and gray. I probably will be because I'm just excited. <laughs> yeah. I just love talking about it. But I think it's a great, um, just a great space. And mm-hmm. also, like, I think the one who tells us not to talk about it and not to honor her sexuality and not to bring it up and to make it about legalism is probably Satan. Like, mm-hmm. that is not from the Lord. Um, but certainly the evil one, like, loves when Christians are silent on really important topics, God given, uh, parts of life like sex and sexuality. Yeah. You touched on like media a little bit, but obviously social media is like a huge part of like teenagers life. So, and even like some younger kids lives, how, I guess, like, do you have any like ideas of how you're going to raise your daughter, like with social media? Like if there's an age you'll allow her to have it, if you won't allow her to have it. Cause it's like scary. Cause like, I feel like at least for me, like that really became a thing when I was in middle school, like Instagram and Instagram Mm. models. Mm. So I grew up in like that really defined what I thought like the ideal body looked like and like really to this day continues to do that. Mm -hmm. How are you going to approach that with your daughter? How have you seen parents approach that? Mm -hmm. I am going to be probably fairly strict on when she gets access to certain technology um I mean she already has like a tablet and part of that is we were missionaries in Honduras we were traveling a lot several hours um often and it it was a way for her to kind of be calm as we traveled and did airplanes and whatever and that was our our decision um it worked out well for us but I know what's on there and I know what she can get access to and I know what she can see um she definitely watches YouTube videos and even in that and like the children's videos some weird Mm -hmm. stuff comes up and so I always just like I was saying I really do use that as a way to engage with her and talk Mm -hmm. to her about things um what she's seeing but I don't think she's going to get a phone, you know, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if she gets a phone by middle school, it'd, it'd probably be a flip phone, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't really want her to have access to social media super young. And I'm guessing that there will be pushback potentially, but mm-hmm. I think that's pretty normal for most preteens yeah. and, and their parents on anything. Like if it wasn't social media, it's something, right? And so I, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And I guess I'm already preparing for it a little bit, but I know that, you know, you can obviously use social media on just a desktop or a laptop and parents can have access to, um, their parents can manage their accounts. And I think that's a great way to meet halfway, like where you have all their passwords and you know, their messages and what they're doing, but honestly, so much stuff can happen on social media, mm-hmm. even just with sending of pictures and, and connections. Yeah. And I mean, this is an extreme, but like human trafficking can start within Mm -hmm. social media and it's just, and certainly exposure to porn. And so I'm going to be really cautious about Mm -hmm. her ability to access social media, um, within our home and within her own devices, but I can't control that. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could, but I cannot. And so I don't know when her friends will get phones. I don't know what, you know, when her friends will have access to devices. And so I'm going to, I've already started to talk to her about bad images, what to do if she, if she sees something that makes her uncomfortable, feel scared or feel yucky. Mm -hmm. So that might be like violence. Um, that could be pornography, but she knows to look away and to tell her an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, she knows that that's not okay to watch. Um, that God made that for special purposes. Mm -hmm. And again, she's four. So that conversation looks different at different ages, but I do recommend talking about bad images. I have that in my curriculum, um, because most kids see porn, you know, by the time they're 10 or 11. So, 
as much as we'd like to control that, um, it's not a possibility, but I am going to be more conservative in her ability to have that kind of stuff. Because like yeah. you said, it kind of dictates your life mm-hmm. and, um, it has a, has a big narrative into your life. Yeah. And I think that's so hard. I never had social media in high school or middle school. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned like just access to pornography, but in our porn season, we were talking with like either couples who like either one of the couple has struggled with a pornography addiction or different things and how that affects the type of media they watch. And then also as they're parenting, that balance of obviously you want to be watching films that don't have like very explicit or graphic scenes in them, but then also there are some movies that just like, as your kids get older, they're going to watch or TV shows that they're going to watch at their friend's house or when they go to college and how do you prep them for that? Like balance of, you don't like want to show your kids that obviously, like what's the Mm -hmm. line of like what you can show them, what is a conversation starter versus like, what's just like inappropriate. And like, how do you navigate like movies and TV shows Mm -hmm. as a parent? Yeah. I like that distinction. Like what's a conversation starter and what's inappropriate. I mean, I am all for like, if parents um, are seeing that shows or even music media has explicit content, like turning it off. Mm-hmm. But for some parents, that's um, <laughs> explicit content is like a gay couple. And that's yeah. something that I personally like disagree with because I think there's a difference between people in brokenness and in um, struggles of identity, which is a normal thing for all humans. We're all part of that. Um, versus like actually seeing some sort of explicit act like pornography yeah. or or violence. Um, so I think the distinction comes when if something can be engaged with and we can, first of all, I think everything's an opportunity. Like everything can be an opportunity, even if you end up turning it off because it was not okay for your child to see it. It could have been traumatic for them to mm-hmm. see. That is definitely an opportunity. You don't want to ignore that. Yeah. Um, if you know your child was exposed, you do not want to ignore that. You want to really talk mm-hmm. about that in a way that just postures yourself as, um, as humble, as calm. Like maybe you go, you need to go calm yourself down first, but as not as a shame and shock value of like, oh my goodness, what did you see? What did you do when you were over yeah. there? What were you just watching? But as a way that's like, okay, so I know you just saw this, or you told me that this mm-hmm. happened or so-and-so's mom told me that this, what are you, what do you think about that? How are you feeling about that? What did that make you think of? How did that make your body feel? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of those are opportunities, but um, I definitely don't, as any parent, I wouldn't want my daughter to experience any sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. Again, I can't control that. Like, Right. The big thing for me, I remember, um, came out in third grade. So this will date me, but it was movie Titanic probably came out when you were like even littler, but there's like a nude scene in that, right. Where he's painting her. And that was kind of several people I knew that was their first exposure to like nudity. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily porn, but it was a naked person. And right. so that is a aspect of porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could have been like a gateway for some people at a pretty young age, but the beginning families who saw Titanic didn't even necessarily know that scene was in there. It wasn't until mm-hmm. people started to talk right. that that they knew. And so if you, if your son or daughter went to a friend's house and saw it later on and you had no idea, or they were one of the first people to see the movie, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, maybe they covered your eyes and that was like it or something. Right. Um, so I think it is really hard to just know what's happening in their life all the time. You know, people can be exposed to something on the bus ride to school and the car ride yeah. to school at a local gas station in like an old, like a print magazine that can really happen anywhere. And I don't think we need to be as concerned about where this is going to happen because it probably is. Um, in fact, it, it will happen at yeah. some point, but rather like who they run to when they're confused, scared, mm-hmm. anxious, and um, curious. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that it's you and, and the Lord, yeah. um, or that it's, you know, your spouse, your family members um, who can talk to them. And so I don't hyper-focus so much on like, what, mm-hmm. like, what is she going to go see when she goes to this person's house? Um, but, you know, you do use discernment, like, mm-hmm recognize the power of the Holy spirit. If you feel off about a family or a certain friend of theirs, like that's okay to only have them at your house or uh, to kind of limit interaction and, and talk about why that is. I mean, we even talk with my daughter, my husband's a pediatrician. We talked to her about gun safety, which I, when I grew up, I didn't know anybody who really had guns. Um, but a lot of people do. And so I want my daughter to know that that is not a toy, that she does not touch that, that mm-hmm. that is not okay to play with, um, that if somebody picks that up, she has to get away from them and go tell an adult. Um, why? Not because I personally have guns in my home, but because she might go to a house where, where, where they exist. And it's easy to like forget about that, particularly mm-hmm. when that's not in your world and you don't think it's going to happen. But it's better to cover those topics. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk about bad images with young yeah. people and then pornography as they get a little bit older and they can understand more of what that word means. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think preparedness, it's about preparedness, um, yeah. prayer mm-hmm. and, you know, the power of the Holy spirit using discernment. Yeah. I really liked how you brought up the way you approach them after that and like not freaking out, like, mm. and like causing that. Cause I feel like a lot of times if like growing up, we like watched a movie or whatever, and they like quick panicked or like they knew like something happened when they came to like me and my brothers, it was always very like frantic and like, oh my gosh, like yeah. what happened or like blah, blah, blah. And then it like, I already felt like weird about what had just happened. And so then I'm like, ah, and then it made me panic even more. So I really mm-hmm. like that you just like yeah. talked about it's the approach. Easy, that it's you take. easy to panic. Like mm-hmm. it totally is. Like, let's say you're with like a niece or a nephew and something comes across and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm educated. Like I know better. I have my own testimony. Like it's, it's natural yeah. to freak out even mm-hmm. like you or me. Um, but it does take control to really be like, okay, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity and, yeah. you know, and uh, informing the parents as, as need be and, and things like that. But, um, yeah. It, mm-hmm. it takes kind of a moment of peace and, and prayer, like, Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I think kind of as like a wrap up question, I, this is kind of a broad topic, but how, or do you have any like tips or like, how are you modeling? I'll say healthy femininity, but also like biblical womanhood to your daughter. Hmm. This is a massive question. Yeah. Like how do I model <laughs> biblical womanhood period or even yeah to my child? You know, for me, it comes back to, and I'm not saying that this is like a prescriptive answer by any means, but for me, it comes back to how do I model what it means to be a child of God? And that makes me think of a few traits. Like it makes me think of humility, recognizing how bad my sin is, Kristen's sin, um, that I am no higher or lower than other people at the foot of the cross. Like we're all unworthy and in need of grace, all of us. Um, 
So how do I model that hum- that humility and that understanding of my sin and also that understanding of God's power and his goodness and how much he loves us, how much he wants to be in fellowship with us? Um, I, of course, love talking about sex and sexuality with people and, and not everyone does, but God has given us all skills, abilities, talents, passions, interests. And I do think that those are so often God given. Mm -hmm. And, um, when we like honor him with those, I think that's a great way to model biblical womanhood or manhood. Um, but I also, I try to understand like, how is being a woman different than a man? Right. Cause obviously they are different. They are made, um, specifically to honor him and to compliment each other. And, and so I do that by modeling, like what, I think a holy wife looks like and not saying that I'm perfectly holy. Of course I'm not. Um, but what does it look like to sin? And then, you know, um, apologize to my daughter or apologize to my husband, um, or seek, uh, yeah, seek forgiveness from the Lord. Of course. Um, what does it look like to live out the traits of, of, of a child of God and to live out the fruits of the spirit? So I, I think about just just that. Um, I study the word, like Mm -hmm. I study the word. I spend time with God. I journal. I, we obviously have a, we have a local body. We're a part of a local church. Um, and we're missional, I think in our relationships, like we never keep Jesus to the side as like not a talking point. Um, that can happen, I think sometimes, but, Mm -hmm. um, people know who we are and what we're about. Um, but I think humility is, is a part of that too. We're mm-hmm. certainly not above or better than at all. Yeah. And so that's how I model biblical womanhood, mm-hmm. but I think it looks different for, for different people. Um, yeah. and I think that that's okay. I think God mm-hmm. created us to, to all be a part of the church and, you know, kind of rub up against each other and, and with our, our different talents and abilities yeah. and all right. It's edifying mm-hmm. and sanctifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then on our resource page on our website, we have a link to your site um, that people and parents especially can look at mm-hmm. all of your like sex ed reclaimed, all those resources, those courses. Do you have any other resources you would recommend for parents? Um, that's a great question. So I did just release an ebook um, called How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. And um, it is $10. It's on my website and it's super, super practical. Like this is not an ebook you get. And then you're like, Oh, that wasn't really worth it. Like, why did I read that? I made it as practical as possible using, um, many, many samples from my own conversations with students and, you know, children, um, in that book. So I have that. I also have, um, books within my website that I personally have read and enjoy. I didn't actually quote her in this conversation, although, I thought about her book several times. There's a book called Talking Back to Purity Culture that maybe um, you've heard of. It's really good. Um, It's by Rachel Joy Welcher. And I have her book on my resources page and a bunch of other books that I love. Sheila's book, um, Mm -hmm. Jay Stringer. I love his book about porn. Um, And so anyway, there's resources there for parents if you want to see what else I've I recommend or I have really enjoyed as a sex educator. I also love AXIS, um, AXIS.org. They have free resources for parents to use with their teens. And it's all about sex and sexuality and how to parent. Um, I, I do think there's a lot of great resources out there. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
doing a little bit of looking on social media or on the internet and you, you can find some stuff, but, um, I would recommend first going to an organization you already trust, like your website, um, and, and then seeing whom they trust. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's a good starting point, sometimes yeah. better than even just Googling or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And if people are looking to connect with you or find you, where can they do that? They can do that on sexedreclaim.com. Again, that's where my um, resources are. That's where my ebook is. That's where my curriculum packages are. We actually just lowered the cost of the curriculum packages. Um, I really want them to be accessible for families and for churches and schools. And so um, they have new cost on there. Um, but as all on my website, Sex Ed Reclaimed, I have a contact page. I typically respond within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then I also am pretty good about responding to DMs on uh, so, um, like socials. So Perfect. Sex Ever Claimed is my handle for that as well. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, it was such a great conversation and I'm so excited um, that everyone gets to listen. So as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us at theholyship.podcast on Instagram or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.